Hello, welcome everybody to the East to West Weight Loss Surgery Podcast. I am April and I'm the West. And I'm Jason and I'm the East. We are so excited to be with you today. Our goal is to support the bariatric community with humor, humility, and honesty. Uh, Jason and I both underwent a type of bariatric surgery called vertical sleeve gastrectomy, or VSG for short. Uh, He and I have both lost over 100 pounds. I am down today 119 pounds. Jason, how many pounds are you down? 154 pounds as of this morning. New personal low, baby. Woo! We are rocking and rolling. Uh, the reason Jason and I created East to West Weight Loss Surgery is because we were really disappointed with uh, the care that we got after our bariatric procedures. Jason and I both had phenomenal medical care. Our surgeons were wonderful. The nurses were wonderful. The facilities were great. Uh, but really, surgery works on the, your, your physical self. It doesn't help with the, with the emotional, with, with the brain side of weight loss surgery. Uh, so Jason and I teamed up because we were just not happy with, uh, with the support that, that we got after weight loss surgery. Uh, so we are here to support you as you uh, continue on your own bariatric journey. Uh, If podcasts are not your favorite way to learn or grow, we want to let you know that you can check us out on YouTube. So we actually record our podcast in Zoom, and then we upload this awesome video uh, to our YouTube channel. So if you would like to watch us, I encourage you to visit us there. Just go to YouTube and type in East, the number two, West underscore WLS, and our wonderful page will pop up, and then you can watch us that way. Uh, So you can like, subscribe, and share uh, to our podcast videos there on YouTube. And then, of course, you can like and subscribe and share our podcast on your favorite player as well. So we are just here to grow and support this community. Definitely. Yep. Okay, my friend. So today's topic, we're diving in to us versus food, right? Why we get so emotional about food and how we can regain control uh, uh after uh, weight loss surgery. This is one of the most common conversations that you and I have. We get questions all the time about this. We see it all the time asked on like all of the weight loss surgery uh, forums. And I think so many people are caught off guard by their emotional connection to food after surgery because they just didn't think it was an issue, right? So they, they went into surgery you know, knowing that they had some medical stuff going on or knowing that there were some things going on in the background but you just don't want to admit that you don't have a great relationship with food going into it. It's not something that you want to like just publicly broadcast, even though we know that people know we have a problem with food. We, we are obese. We are super morbidly obese. We, you know, we're carrying a hundred or hundreds of extra, extra pounds on our frame. Uh, unlike some other addictions, you can't hide your weight. It is what it is. Uh, but it's, it, it's scary to admit. And, and people I think just don't want to go there. So then they have bariatric surgery and they think that the emotional side of thing isn't going to be an issue or that, oh no, you know, I don't have, I don't have a bad relationship with food or I don't have, I don't have a problem with food. Well, then you, you have your procedure, you know, and you start feeling better and then you go, oh my God, why am I still freaking out over Cheetos? Or why am I having a really hard time? Because I can't have, right. You, you fill in the the blank. Uh, so I'm really excited to, uh, to jump into this topic today because it's very meaningful to people in, in the bariatric community. No, yeah, you're you're 100% right. There's a lot of people that I'm noticing as well that not only do they not want to admit that they've got the issue with food, they also don't, or they also may think that surgery is just going to fix it because there are yeah. some people that were like, oh, I love to eat this before surgery and after surgery, I just can't eat it at all or I don't eat it or it's just not an option for me. 
And so a lot of people go in banking like, oh, well, that's going to happen for me then. And I won't be able to eat pizza anymore. And I won't be able to eat this stuff and all the fatty stuff that I did before. But, you know, here's a spoiler alert. Guess what? That doesn't happen for a lot of people. So a lot of people get done with the surgery and they jump out into the world and they realize, oh, nothing has changed. And I can (laughs) eat every damn thing I wanted to eat. And yeah, it may be a little discomforting at first, but you'll push through it and you'll still be able to eat it. And then every time you eat it after that, it gets a little bit less uncomfortable until you're back eating it again. And that's where you go from a slide to a slip and slide to you're right back to where you were before. And before you know it, you know, instead of losing weight, seeing the scale and the inches go in your favor, you see it going the other way. And once you get that far gone, it's extremely hard to get it back. Yes. You said so many important things in, in that, in that sentence. We, we, you and I know that we have a 50% chance of regaining all or most of our weight two years after surgery. And the reason that people regain is because for, for the reasons that you said, you think that you're not going to be able to eat the foods that you, you know, overindulged on, uh, you know, before surgery, after surgery, most people can, uh, and surgery doesn't do anything for, for, for your brain, for your emotions, for, for your cravings, for that relationship. That's where the work of weight loss surgery really comes in. Surgery is the easy part. It's, it's learning to, to really live a different life and to have a different relationship with food after, after surgery. And that is, uh, that it, it's why we're here. It's why we exist because we, we want people to find success after, after weight loss surgery. And we know it's a struggle. Jason and I are living through it right now. Um, and you have to eat to live. So not eating is not an option. Really, the, the only pathway forward is to develop a healthy relationship with food and to put food on the back burner in terms of your, your joy or your comfort, right? It, it can't be those things for you anymore. Uh, so so that, that, that's, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about today. Well, and, you know, one of the things that a lot of people don't focus on is food addiction is one of the only addictions that you still have to confront because you have to have food to survive. So functioning alcoholics have to drink to get through the day, but once you're in recovery, you learn coping skills to get through the day without those drinks. So Mm -hmm. you move past being able to do that. Mm -hmm. Recovering food addicts, it would be the same thing as you telling a functioning alcoholic or a recovering cocaine addict, well, you just have a little bit of a bump now instead of like two or three lines of cocaine to get you through the day, then you're good. Like just a couple of bumps at lunch, a couple of bumps at dinner, and you're good. Not, and that's all you got to do. But for recovering food addicts, we still have to be able to eat to get, you know, that's how we survive. So it's very, very hard. When, when people say that surgery is the easy way out, it's hilarious to me because not, they don't think about, they just think you go and get your stomach cut out, you can't eat anymore, and you're good, you lose a bunch of weight. Well, if that was the case, that would be fantastic. However, it's not because every time we sit down, we are confronted with the fact that you have to order within such and such a, you know, your your food, your meals have to be catered to the healthier decisions in order for you to make it through to the other side. Yeah. And there's so much temptation. There's so many things, you know, with the holidays coming up or your, you know, your friends want you to go out to eat. Different things like that are going to happen. And you're, it's up to you. You're the only person that's not only responsible for, but can be held accountable for the decisions that you make. And if you really want this to work, you're going to have to do that 
much, much farther after surgery than just going in and getting your stomach cut out. That's just when the hard stuff starts. Yeah. Yep. That's why we're here. <laughs> All right, friend, you, re you ready to do it? Ready to jump in? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma All right. Okay, so I've got some tough questions to ask you right right off the bat, and I just want you to I just want you to tell me what's the very first thing that that comes into your mind when you think about food before weight loss surgery. How do you feel? I feel elated. I used to get super excited about eating because I just everything about it was exciting. What um, what? What did food used to, to give you besides nutrition? Just the utmost joy. And just being able to eat and whatever it was I was eating, you can best believe I ordered the biggest one they had. If, they, if it wasn't a double, I would pay extra to make it a double. If it wasn't the size, I would make it whatever size I needed to make it. I would order extra on top of whatever that is to make yeah. sure that because every time I ordered anything, my biggest fear in the back of my mind was, you won't be full off of that. You're going to pay money to eat somewhere and you'll still be hungry. That is so, I, I used to think the exact same thing. So when I, when I wrote this question out, I said, okay, well, when I, th when I think about food before weight loss surgery, I feel a lot of anxiety, right? I feel a lot of stress. I feel a lot of anxiety. And at the same time, I, I would also be anticipating like relief, almost like sweet relief, right? It was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be stressed because I'm so hungry right now. And I know that I'm not going to be full, but at least I can like eat something and I can tune out. I can just zone out because when I really think about how I treated food before surgery versus how I treat food now, it really, you know, the, the, I had really unhealthy eating patterns, right? I was eating the same thing pretty consistently and I was eating it in, in quantities that were not healthy and I was eating and it was just not nutritious food. I mean, yes, it, it had some nutritious elements to it, but it, it just wasn't. And I would look forward to those meals because it would, it would literally give me time to zone out. I was so stressed or I was, something was not going well or I was not happy and I could, you know, I, I could turn to food to to make those emotions go away. Um, so it, for, so for me, it was definitely a combination of, of anxiety and stress and, and joy, which sounds so weird. Um, but that is, th th that's the power of food, right? So, so why are we so emotional when it, when it comes to food? And for a lot of us, it's how we have dealt with life's up and downs, right? So not only is food a tool that we can use to de-stress or to check out or to numb ourselves, but food is also associated with the most glorious moments of life, right? It's associated with celebrations, with weddings, with graduations, with birthdays, with holidays. It, it evokes personal memories of, of members of our family. I mean, food is such an integral part of the human experience. And sometimes it gets so intertwined with it that we can't separate it and we really get, get ourselves in trouble. I mean, I know in my family, I've got my, my, my mom, my grandma, my sister, they're all amazing cooks. They are wizards in the kitchen. And those women show their love through food, right? So when all of a sudden you, you start thinking about like, oh my gosh, well, food's not gonna be an important part of my life. It's almost like you're saying, I'm, you know, my, my connection with my history and my family and my friends is being severed because this is how we show love. This is how we give love is, is through food. I mean, it's just, 
it, it's su such an integral part of, of our society. And I think it's one of the reasons that people just don't want to acknowledge that they have these unhealthy relationships with food, because it means you're giving, you're, you're giving away these connections. Well, and that's, you know, you got to think about growing up when, you know, some of your favorite cousins, uncles, aunts, family members you only saw at Thanksgiving, at Christmas, and those were the huge meals for the family, whether it be Easter or whatever it is that you celebrate, those celebrations come with the, you know, with just an abundance of food and you yeah. just eat until you're full and you nap and then you eat some more and then you go play and then, you, you know, that's just, you, you make the day of it. Yep. And, you know, you go all the way from, from celebrations all the way across from the happiest to the saddest. I mean, you, you equate, even with funerals, there's food. There's, you know, you go back and everybody's got food or they bring food yep. or there's just food everywhere. And once everything's done, you go back and eat, be around family. Yeah. So from the top to the bottom, I mean, from the beginning to the end, you know, so to speak, there's, you know, it's, it's equated with food. Yeah. Well, and, and I can also think of times too, you know, in, in my own life where, you know, I, I've gone somewhere or my family, you know, my, my parents have hosted a, a social gathering and there's so much food and, and the abundance of food is almost like a, it's not a sign of wealth, but it kind of, you know, in a way it is. I mean, if you can invite people into your home and you can provide them with this amazing spread of food, that says a lot about, you know, kind of who you are as a person or, or, or what you happen, you know, what you can provide. I mean, I know my, my parents, they love to host parties and, you know, they, they're always serving turduckins or they're serving crab, you know, they're serving these things that you just wouldn't get ordinarily in your everyday life. So, you know, sometimes for us, you know, having this abundance of food is also a sign of wealth or prosperity. It's, it's how we give back. It's, it's how we say our thanks. Right. And, you know, it's a really fine line between what's too much and, and what's not, what's unhealthy and, and what is healthy. I don't think you and I would ever advocate for, you know, food can never be a part of your life or food, you know, can't be a part of your celebration. Yeah, it's, no. it's just a part of the human experience, but we can, change our relationship with with food so that it's not the primary source of our joy or happiness or of our of our our thankfulness you know and, and the other thing that that really makes food just a a, a a bitch of a problem is that it's always available right oh, so yeah. you turn on the tv you're seeing ads for it you get in the car and go to the go go anywhere you're passing you know starbucks and mcdonald's Food is everywhere. It, it is in every uh, facet of our of our lives. And when things go wrong and we're looking for comfort, food is almost always within arm's reach, yeah. right? So it's the thing that's it's a thing that's always there. And you, you know, it it just makes it so difficult to to break out of that because. If, if you really need something, you know, right away, you're, you're needing some comfort, you, you can reach for food and you eat something and then you feel guilty or you feel bad about it. And that just starts your shame cycle, right? So it's like, oh my gosh, well, now I've, you know, I've blown, you know, I've blown my goals or I've blown my diet or I've blown out of my macros. And a lot of us just go, well, you know, well, forget it. I've, I've screwed up the whole day. Well, then the whole day turns into, you know, a whole week, a whole week turns into a whole month. And before you, you know it, you, you're just right back in your old habits. And it feels comforting because you're upset at yourself and you just continue the cycle until you're right back to, to where you started or, um, you know, or, or even at a higher weight than, than right. when you started. Well, uh, because that's a lot of what happens is, is you don't just gain back what you had before, because we all know that from diets that we've tried in the past. Yeah. You don't only gain back what you lost on the diet that you were trying. 
you get a little extra. Some of their friends come along with it. And so then you got even more you got to try to get off. And what you're talking about is is basically it's almost like if you were a recovering gambling addict and the only apartment available to you was on the strip in Las Vegas. Yeah. Across yes. from the MGM Grand. And there, there you are. You're yeah. across from the Bellagio. Every day you got to get out of your apartment and try to go somewhere. And you're just passing all the casinos, but you're a recovering gambling addict. Like, it's yeah. just... People don't equate it to being the same thing, but it's the same thing. It is. Yep, it is. And later on in, in this episode, we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about some concrete steps that we can take to to help redefine our relationship with food and get get to a, a healthy space uh, with it. Um, but I would like to ask you, Jason, what was your relationship with food like before weight loss surgery? Right. So so you kind of you spoke to it a, a little bit uh, uh, earlier, but what what was that relationship like for you? It was exhausting, to be honest with you. Um, you know, I going to get food, sneaking out to get food, you know, being excited when I when, I, when when the family would go do something different for dinner, and I was on my own to eat, which means all the possibilities I could go eat whatever I want and as much as I wanted. Nobody was going to look at me crazy, and I wasn't going to have to get a lecture from my wife about what I was eating. Yeah, and it just became. When I think back on it now, I'm just exhausted. I think to, you know, movie scenes where you see the, the addict running around to, to try to score drugs and then he finally gets them and then that first hit of drugs, he's just, oh, you know, the euphoric state. That's, you know, I remember specifically vividly doing those things to go get whatever food it was I had, I thought I had to have at the time and feeling that same way when I was done eating whatever meal it was. But literally, it was probably just my arteries clogging because of all the <laughs> shit that I was putting in my body, and my heart was having a hard time getting through. You know, but, uh, I, I think mean, honestly, that's I, I can think I, I can vividly remember having a lot of those times. So why why do you think you you developed this unhealthy relationship with food? What what were you what were you trying to to fill? Was there a void? Was there something missing? I mean, have you had a chance to really think about? why you went down that path? I honestly don't think as far as like a void that I was trying to fill, I've just always been one of those bigger is better is louder is is faster mm -hmm. is all of that is just what it's been. And my appetite just got bigger over the years. And if there was a double burger, I wanted it. And if there was a triple burger, I wanted that. And then, you know, when come out to the time where you're seeing competitive eaters and do all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's awesome to be able to eat like that. Like, I didn't want to eat like that, but it was cool to see them doing it. Yeah. But then it was like, oh, well, if there's a, a burger with six patties. I bet I could eat it. And then, you know, you go try to do that. And that just that, you know, I remember being just, you know, humiliated because I argued with my wife in a restaurant about a one pound burger that they <laughs> served that came on a bun that looked like a damn hubcap of a car and she's like you can't eat that and i was like the hell i can't i can't i can't and i will and i was like and i'll have fries with it too and and i ordered it and i got about halfway through and i was miserable because it was one pound cooked it wasn't one pound pre-cooked weight jesus it was a pound and that boy look that was a burger <laughs> burger like 15 inch bun 15 inch patty like yeah. and i was going to town and i was so sick i thought i was going to get sick in the restaurant which i've never done but i, I literally thought that was going to be the time and she just looked at me with not only with just disgust that i even tried it 
but yeah. the biggest I told you so look on her face and I just had to look at her and be like it was just a bad day I guess <laughs> like I couldn't admit defeat like I like I had no business trying to eat it I still was just trying to be like well you know I, I could have ate it but the fries wow. or whatever it was I came up with at the time but yeah so so really being a big eater was a part of your identity that that was just something yeah. that that you took on well, yeah, and I think everybody, it, everybody knew that when we would go anywhere, whatever the most ridiculous thing on the menu was, I was yeah. more than likely going to try. Yeah. So it's almost like you you took on this showman persona, right? It was like, well, if I'm just going to be this big, then I'm going to I'm going to make it funny, or I'm going to make it in you know humorous for other people, which 100%. is not yeah, which is not very healthy. So I mean, did did you feel controlled by food before weight loss surgery? Uh, yeah. It was always, it was a big driving force, like what we talk about a lot where, you know, the, the majority of your thought process is taken up about food, how to get it, what you're going to yeah. get, you know, yeah. how, how, if you're going to be full or not. And, and since then, I just look back on it, just think about how ridiculous I feel now about how I was and how exhausting it would be to still be trying to keep that up. So would you, do you think that before weight loss surgery, you had an unhealthy relationship with food? Oh, 100%. So when did you know then that you had an unhealthy relationship? When when did things start to click for you? When I would get like, I not just upset, but when I would rage, like I would literally be mad at the point where people could tell I was upset mm -hmm. arguing, you know, with my wife or myself or whatever it may be, because either somebody challenged me about the amount of food I was trying to eat, mm. or I couldn't go get what I wanted to eat. And I, and I had a visible, like, anger reaction to it. I knew that that was a problem. Like, that's not normal. Normal people don't say, oh, well, we're not going to go eat there. And they don't just get mad about it. Like, you know, they, they may be disappointed and be like, oh, that was, sounded really good. Maybe we'll try it again later on. Mm -hmm. But no, no, I would like, I would literally rage out and be super upset if I couldn't get what I wanted when I wanted. There's a word for that. It's called hangry. Yeah. <laughs> when okay. you are hungry and angry. Uh, and I definitely, yes, I, 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 I had a lot of hangritude uh, before weight loss surgery uh, as well. And, and I think that that too is also one of the, the tell, telling signs for me is that I would get so angry if I, if I got <laughs> to a hunger point, I would get so angry if, yeah, plans had been made and then like they got, they got changed. And I can just remember you know, and I talk about this all the time, only after weight loss surgery did I realize that 90% of my day, 90% of my brain's energy was dedicated to food on some level, thinking about it, preparing it, eating it, planning it. I mean, in any capacity, 90% of it went to food. And then when I think, and I, when I think, God, why did I get so angry over food? It's because I only had 10% of my brain to worry about the other things in life. So I was always stressed about everything. And the only thing that took that stress away was food. Well, I, that that's where the swap happened, right? I mean, it should have been 90% on my life, 10% on food. And, and it wasn't before surgery, it was 90% on food. And I had 10% of my capacity to actually deal, deal with life. So it's no wonder that I look forward to food because it was the only thing that, you know, that, that brought me any type of, of pleasure or joy because I was so stressed out, right? I mean, about, about everything else. Yeah, so before- before weight loss surgery, how did you try to break up with food? Um, just 
the normal diets and Herbalife and whatever else I could try at the time, whatever fad diet was going on, I was on it, uh, trying to do better, trying to use the willpower, trying to, oh, if I just do this or if I just make better choices, if I just do this and that. And, you know, I've, I've, there's probably not a fad besides the Atkins diet. That's about the only train I didn't jump on every other diet or fad diet or whatever it was at the time I've tried it. Um, Herbalife was probably the most successful I had been. I lost 88 pounds in about seven months mm. on Herbalife and then gained back uh, like 105 pounds after the 88 pound yeah. loss. Yep. I, I kind of did the same thing. I did 3010 weight loss for life. It was, it is a fabulous program. I learned a lot about nutrition. I kind of learned a lot about like what I actually needed to survive. Uh, but I was so unhappy at that low weight and I realized I didn't actually know how to maintain it. I wasn't happy living my life the way that I had to live following that program. Uh, and, and it, yeah, I just, it, I, I panicked. I absolutely panicked when I got to that low weight and then, yeah, all of my weight came back and, and then some, and I'd lost maybe 40 pounds with Weight Watchers before. And like you, I'd done everything, Atkins, juicing, fasting, keto, yeah, Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers. I mean, anything, any, any, yeah, I think I racked up 10 million frequent flyer miles on all of the, uh, all of the diet, diet, you know, trends that were out there. And yeah, no, absolutely uh, nothing, nothing worked. Oh yeah. So, fasting, fasting was the other only thing I hadn't tried because let's be honest, um, who's trying to, who's trying to not eat before Weight yeah. Watchers? Not, not it, not, not me, not even kind of. Good point. Good point. So, so now that we've both had weight loss surgery, uh, how, how has that procedure helped you create a different relationship with food? So we, we know that the procedure is physical, but we do know that there's a, there's a brain body connection, right? And I think after surgery for me, the biggest connection that I made was that my brain and my body actually do have to talk to each other. Before surgery, the, my brain ran the show and it told my body what to do. And my body just got me, got me from, from A to B. I never checked in with what my body actually needed. I didn't even know that they were connected. I mean, and it sounds weird to say, but it's, it's very true. Um, so weight loss surgery helped me make that connection between my brain and, and my body. Uh, but above and beyond that, how has weight loss surgery helped you create this healthier relationship with food well now it's more of a it's more of an eat to live not live to eat situation and i can go you know serious amounts of time now without i, I basically intermittent fast without trying to mm -hmm. um just because of the amount of time i can go without worrying about it i can you know half half of one of my bottle you know 12 ounces of the 24 ounce bottle of water that i drink a day will keep me going for hours and not even, mm. I won't even think about it. So like the past couple of, like yesterday and today I've been off of work and when I'm off of work, I, I do the best. It's when I'm sitting at work and I'm, you know, sitting in the chair all day and I'm stuck in doing one thing that the other yeah. stuff starts to kind of creep in. Yeah. But when I'm off, I can blow and go and maybe grab a protein bar at some point throughout the day and yeah. eat that and keep, you know, kind of keep going that way. So before I would never do that. I, I woke yeah. up starving thinking about food and I would hit it from there. And as much as I could grab throughout the day, I was doing it. So, yeah. And, and I always just, because people always ask me like, well, you know, what's changed? Well, I mean, obviously I'm missing, you know, 70% or 80% of my stomach. That's a change. 
but it, it was so interesting because I felt like right after surgery, I mean, right after surgery was really, really hard for me. <laughs> that, that was not a, um, you know, my, but the physical recovery was fine. It, it was, I think what everybody else experiences, there's a lot of pain, but the emotional connection that I had to recognize between my, my well-being and food was brutal. But I think the magic of weight loss surgery for me was that the procedure put a physical barrier between my, my food addiction, between that voice in my head and my body. And it, it was so painful that it forced the two of them to finally connect and start talking. And even though they connected, there was this wedge that was driven between my addiction and what my body needed. And it gave my brain a, a hot minute to rationally think about what I was experiencing emotionally, right? It was like, okay, uh, you know, things are not good. You are really stressed out, man. You, you really want to eat Cheetos or breakfast sandwich or pizza or whatever, right? It was just like that addiction was like, oh man, you really want this. But then the rational side of my brain, all of a sudden I could hear and, and I could listen to it. And that rational side of my brain was saying, you are not hungry. You maybe you're thirsty, but you are not hungry. My, I am not asking you for anything. It was literally like my stomach was talking to my brain saying, I'm not asking you for anything. In fact, I just want you to chill out. I want you to just think about why you are freaking out over food. I want you to acknowledge the fact that you are sad or angry or disappointed or hurt, or you are unfulfilled, right? Like all of these big, huge, scary words and feelings were right there at the forefront. And addiction for all those years prevented me from acknowledging those feelings and from asking very simple questions like, well, why am I feeling sad? Why am I feeling unfulfilled? What was I, what am I hoping or what, what is missing? I couldn't ask those questions before because addiction absolutely clouded it. And, and I just continue to tell people that is the power of weight loss surgery. And you, that is where the work is, right? Because sure, I could eat less and, and I can listen to my body and I can stop eating when I'm full, but eventually I'm, I'm going to heal and I'm going to be able to eat more and I'm going to be able to eat more frequently. And that's where you, that's where you regain the weight. If you don't listen to, to the why, to the reason that, that you're doing things or the reason that you want something or the reason that you're craving something, then your weight is going to, your weight's going to, going to come back. I mean, you and I have talked about this. We we've both noticed that we're kind of slipping at times back into our, our old habits, right? We're, we're, we're feeling kind of normal. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, if I'm feeling normal, then I can do what I did after surgery now. And that is that, that is the straight danger zone. That is like top gun danger zone because you are on the path to, to living your life as you did before after surgery. And we all know what's going to happen then. If you, if you live the way that you lived before surgery, after surgery, you're going to weigh what you weighed before surgery, after surgery. And nobody wants that. Nobody. Wants right. That. Well, and you also, you get to a point in that normalcy where not only do you have to fight your brain telling you those types of things and you're trying to, you know, fight through the reasons why you'll also have to, you know, you'll have to, your brain will try to tell you that it's time to eat. Yeah. Like, oh, well, it's lunchtime. Well, if you're not hungry, your brain will still be like, yeah, but it's lunchtime. Like the Correct. clock says it's lunchtime. So you should probably eat something. Yes. But, you know, in your head, you're like, no, nah, I'm still full from breakfast, but, yes. but it's lunchtime. 
Like yes. they're just like just nudging you like, hey, hey, but yeah, it doesn't matter that you ate and you're still full, like, but it's lunchtime. Like if you miss it now, yeah. who knows when it's going to come around again? Yes. Well, it's right. going to come around in a little while when I'm hungry again, like when I'm actually hungry. Like, I don't have to eat right now just because it's noon. I can eat later when I'm actually hungry. Correct. It, it's it, the, those two things on your shoulder, right? The angel and the devil or, you know, whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it, you have two competing voices and those voices don't go away. And, and the work after weight loss surgery is that you have to, you have to acknowledge both voices and you have to listen to them, which is really scary because I don't want to listen to my old, old self. I don't want to listen to this addiction, but it is still there. And the only way that I, that I can combat it is I can say, okay, I hear you and I see you but I'm not going to do that because I'm not actually hungry. Right. Or maybe I'm thirsty or I'm just emotional. I'm just sad. I'm just upset. It's having those conversations and it sounds crazy. It sounds like, you know, it, that, that it's too, that, that's just too easy, but it, that is the, the simple answer, but the simple answer is not the easy answer. And having those conversations is it's, it's difficult and it can be gut-wrenching and it can, it can be really hard for us, but I think it's important to know and for everybody to know that you and I are having these conversations with ourselves and it's not killing us, right? It, it is, it's having these difficult conversations with ourselves are actually making us a better human. We, we are becoming the best version of ourselves because we are having these difficult conversations. And we're telling you, you can have these conversations with yourself and it's not going to kill you. It's not going to harm you, even though it feels like it it's not going to harm you. It's actually going to heal you. It's how we get beyond food controlling us. And it's how we learn to regain control over that. And it's how we get to a place where we can enjoy food and not be panicked and not worry about our, our future. It's, it, yeah, I mean. And you, can, well, and you can also, if you're having a hard time having the conversations with yourself at the beginning, reach out to somebody who's in your support group or reach out to April or myself or, you know, yeah. either one. We'll be more than happy to listen to you have the conversations with us until you can have the conversations with yourself. Because yeah. we know, as well as anybody else, you're not always just going to start out becoming one and comfortable talking to yourself because, let's be honest, we didn't really do that before surgery. No. So you know, navigating these pathways isn't always the easiest to do without a little assistance. Mm -hmm. So be more than happy to help you do that. And if it comes out to something that April or I don't know the answer to, we're going to find you somebody that knows the answer so you can get in touch with them and, and start forging a better pathway to, you know, connecting those dots for yourself so you can have those important conversations moving forward. Yeah, which is why, I mean, Jason, I always, always say this, we are amazed at the power of social media when it comes to facilitating these types of conversations. You might not be comfortable reaching out to somebody that hasn't lived through what you're living through, but right. there are pockets on the internet, right? Like our, our Instagram page. That's why we have this, this podcast to let you know that you are not alone. And that by having these simple conversations, you are starting the, the process. You, you are creating a healthier relationship with yourself and, and with, with food. I mean, with everything, I mean, that Jason, and I always leave these conversations going, Oh my God, I made so many connections. Right. Or it's just like, Oh my gosh, I, I never really thought about that. But really through talking about it, we are, we are on the right path to, to, to yeah. creating healthier relationships with food. Definitely. So Jason, and I want, want to, leave you guys with some tips and tricks for how we can build a new relationship with food that that's healthy, right? That still allows us to, 
uh, to incorporate food into our lives as a form of celebration and, and as a, 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 a joy, you know, something that gives us joy and happiness, but it, in, a, in a way that's healthy. So if you are seeking some emotional support, if, if you know that, that you need to start with your emotions, you really just have to stop and ask yourself, why? Why am I feeling so emotional over you fill in the blank, right? Pizza or whatever, whatever food item is triggering you. You, you have to just stop and say, why, why am I feeling this way? And, and ask yourself, am I missing someone? Uh, is there a social or emotional need that, that's, that's not being met? Am I, am I feeling sad, anxious, mad, depressed? Right. Really try to try to try to put a, uh, an identifier on, on what you're feeling. Right. Because if if we can say it out loud, then we can ask ourselves the really important question, which is, well, is food going to really give me that? And the answer is no. Food is not going to give you comfort. Food is not going to make you feel better. Food is not going to fill the void or you know, it's not going to do any of those things. It's just not. And if you can get to, if you can get to the place and say, okay, wait, why, why am I feeling this way? Why am I freaking out over, over this? And really work, you know, get the answer and, and, and then tell yourself out loud, oh, food is not going to make me feel whole. Food is not going to, to make me feel better, right? Because then you can get to that place where you can go, oh, what is going to make me feel better? And usually it's, well, I need to, I need to talk to this person or I need to reach out to a friend or I need to find some peace and quiet or I need to find some calm or I need to make a to-do list. I need to really address this thing that is driving this emotion because food is, is not the answer. Food is not going to fix it. Uh, and, and, and even if you, even if you do turn to food in, in your moment of panic, you're going to realize, oh wait, that, that didn't help. That, that feeling, that emotion, that sense is still there. And you're going to keep repeating that cycle until you, until you get, get to the, the bottom of it. And I, I always recommend, I have a couple magic sentences. Thanks. Thanks to my work with, with Wendy, with, with my therapist. Uh, but my magic craving sentence is, this is what I literally do, right? So when a craving hits and this just happened the other day, I was like, oh my God, I just want some Cheetos. I love Cheetos. I absolutely love Cheetos. And I was like, oh my God, I just want some Cheetos. And I said it out loud and I was like, uh, okay. Why do I need Cheetos? And it's so stupid, right? Because instantly I was like, because I'm stressed. And it's like, oh, so Ugh. Cheetos is not going to fix my stress, right? So I literally said out loud to myself, okay, well then what the fuck do I need to do to not be so stressed? And, it, and then all of a sudden my rational brain was like, oh, well, you should probably get your ass out of your chair, go take Stella for a walk. When you're on your walk, you need to think about all of these things you've got floating it out, you know, around your brain. And when you get home, you need to make a list. What, yeah. what do I need to do in my work life? What do I need to do in my personal life that, that absolutely has to get done? And then what are some things that I can let go of? What are some things that I can hand off to other people? What are some things that I can, right, that I can give away because they are adding to my stress level? And as soon as I had that conversation with myself, I was like, oh, okay, I don't need Cheetos. I, I need some space. I need some grace. I need to make a to-do list. I need to move my body. And as soon as I did all of those things, as soon as I even just started thinking about the rational things that I needed to do, my craving dissipated. It went away. I did not drive my ass to the store to buy Cheetos. 
it, it was in and out of my brain in, in less than a minute because I was, because I used that magic sentence, right? I'm craving this. This is what I need is fill in the blank really going to make me feel better. No, it's not right. It, it, it moved me from panic to problem solving very, very quickly. Uh, well, and, and, right. that's, and, and that's one thing that, that people tend to let get to them is just the overwhelming sense of having too much on their plate. And, you know, something that I've been thinking of lately in in the same situation, which works for you and I, and what we're creating in East to West, as well as outside personal life too. Sometimes you got to delegate if you want to dominate. Yeah. Oh, we got to turn that into a graphic. Ain't that the truth? Yes. And we can delegate to other people and we can delegate within ourselves. We can triage ourselves. We can say, you know what? That's not, that, that is not the, the most critically important thing here. I'm going to, I'm going to push that to later. I'm just going to get rid of it altogether. Wow. Ooh, that's why you're called the Smithsonian. <laughs> <laughs> they're just in there floating around. I tell you, sometimes they, wow. sometimes they just pop out. Well, and it's interesting. I mean, you know, my, one of my favorite books of all time is Atomic Habits, Atomic Habits by James Clear. I reference it, I think, every day at this point. Uh, and, and he, you know, to, to paraphrase, what he really says is that every action we take, everything we do is a vote for the person that we want to become. So if, if I am doing something, if I'm making a decision or if I'm doing an action and it doesn't align to the person that I want to be, I'm voting for my old self. And, and if I can get a moment of pause when, I, when I'm in these moments of panic and I can say, okay, is eating that going to cast a vote for the person I want to become or is it casting a vote for the person I was? And if I can get there, it's easier for me to go, that, that is a decision for my old self. I'm only making decisions today for my new self. So I'm going to say no to that. It's it's such a powerful visual that I can use because it just it pops into my brain and and if I can physically cast a vote for the person that I want to to become, I'm feeling better about myself and my decisions every moment of the day. Every time I, I get to that hurdle, and it seems to be getting easier, right? Because the more that I say yes to this new person, the happier I become, the more fulfilled I am, the more content I am. And then those non-scale victories are even more glorious or the, you know, the couple pounds that come off are even more motivating. But if I'm making decisions, if I'm casting a vote for my old life, then I'm going to be living my old life sooner rather than later. And I absolutely do, do not want, yeah, I don't want to go there. I absolutely don't want to go there. Yeah, there's, you've come too far. You've come too far. Yep. So if you're, if you're struggling uh, with a, with your relationship with food, if, if you're, if you're really uh, going, going down, right. Your, your old pathways and you need some physical support. Uh, I, we recommend a couple of things. So if you've got some events coming up, right? Like we, we know that it's, it's the holidays right around the corner. If you are coordinating those events, focus on why you are having that event, right? Focus on things that are not food related. So for me, like you, you guys know, I talk about this all the time. I love to entertain. I love to create a, a beautiful tablescape. Focus on the atmosphere that you're creating for your friends and family. Focus on the conversations that you're going to have or foster. Really think about the, the questions that you want to ask and think about, think about really how you want to connect with them. 
and make food not the, the primary place, right? Focus on the place settings, focus on the decorations, on the conversations, the questions, the gossip, right? Focus on the joy that comes with the connections from those people. Do not focus on, on, the, on the food that you're serving. And I mean, I, I know that this is, I know it's COVID, um, but potlucks are becoming all of a sudden, you know, popular again. So, you know, ask people to bring food. If you're really worried about like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm going to cook food and I'm worried I'm going to overeat it. Don't cook it. Just tell people, hey, I'm opening this space or I'm opening my backyard to, to you. Everybody bring, you know, bring something that, that removes your, your connection to, to, to the food. It can be a really powerful tool. Delegation. Delegation. The other thing that, that I have been doing, and it's been a huge help, is meal planning. And I know that sounds crazy, but Grady and I sit down one day a week. We plan out all of our meals. We make one giant shopping list. And instead of going into the grocery stores, I'm ordering all of my groceries online. And then I just pick them up. They bring them to my car. But what makes that so amazing is that I'm not walking through the grocery store. I'm not seeing or hearing or smelling food. I'm not seeing the end caps. I'm not, you know... Uh, all of these options are not overloading loading my senses. I'm simply going to, you know, Safeway.com or Albertsons.com, typing in exactly what's on my list, and then I'm not being distracted. I'm not being pulled in, in a direction that, that is not healthy for me. So I'm not bringing in these triggering, I'm not bringing in triggering foods into my home. I'm just buying what's, what's on the menu. And when I meal plan, I can already think ahead like, ooh, that sounds really enjoyable. Or I'm very excited to try this new recipe. Or I found this great suggestion on this bariatric forum and I'm, and I'm excited to cook that. I can be excited for, for meals that I choose for myself that are healthy and nutritious. And I'm not pulled down this, this triggering avenue uh, of the grocery store. Such a powerful tool that, that we can use now. And, you know, Again, thanks. I mean, silver lining of COVID, all this technology now makes, you know, this type of grocery shopping available for, for a lot of us. Well, it cuts out all the impulse buys, which is, you know, let's be honest, that's what we do. That's why we're in this situation. That's why we, right? so yeah, you know, you don't have the impulse buys. It's a lot yes. easier to make it through. Yep. Right. And, and another strategy is it, it kind of aligns to this, right? Just don't bring those foods into your home. And when I really got serious about this journey, I had, a, I had an honest conversation with my husband. And I was like, look, if I have these things here at home, I'm going to eat them. So I need you to be okay with you not eating them either. Or if you want to eat those foods, fine, but do it outside of this home, do it at work, do it in your car. I mean, whatever, that's not healthy either, but I can't, I can't worry about you because I have to focus on me. So sometimes having these difficult conversations with members of our family uh, are not easy, but they're necessary, right? And, and we have to ask for their support. If they're not on board with that, if they're not willing to give up the foods that are triggering for you, then our recommendation is you need to get as much friction between you and that item as possible. Put it in the back corner of your pantry, put it on the highest shelf, put it in a drawer, put it someplace that you're not going to see it or interact with it because that is going to help you muster up that, that willpower to say no when, when these moments strike, right? Getting friction between you and that item is key to, to success. Yep. The other thing that, that we would recommend is, is, you know, a lot of us use food as something that brings us joy or happiness. But it, that could also mean that we're missing something in our lives 
to, to, to replace it, right? So what we need to do is we need to find something new in our lives that bring us joy. We need to replace food with, with something else. So think about something that you have been really excited to learn or try or do. Now is the time to do that. Now is the time to, to really branch out and to find something that brings you joy that is not food centered. So, you know, if you really want to learn to sew or paint or knit or edit photos or start a podcast or start a blog, now is the time to do that because all of that joy that you're seeking is out there. You just have to drop food and pick up something else, right? Or maybe there's something that you already enjoy doing and you have just let it slide. Now is the time to revisit that passion, that hobby, that, that thing that really sparks some joy in you and dive back into it, learn it, return to it, make it a part of your daily practice. Because as soon as you do that, food is gonna take less and less importance because you're getting your joy from the things that are actually helping you live your, your healthiest life. And all of a sudden food becomes like what you said, Jason, it's nutrition. Food is, food is secondary, it's, it's not primary. And when, when we can find our joy in, in things outside of food, it's, it's a, it's a really awesome place to live. It's a really awesome place to be. Yeah. Food should, food should be fuel for your body, not for your happiness. Yes. Yep. Right. Our, our mantra lately is uh, food will not make you feel better. It just won't. Food is not going to make you feel better. Confronting your emotions, uh, finding things in your life that provide extra joy, uh, focusing on, on on the celebration, on the people, on the connections, and not the food uh, are are keys to success and long term success. And it's not like you know you're going to do it one time and 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 now you're going to do it all the time. No, this has to be something that you keep on at the the front of your brain and you practice every single day and you're checking in with yourself. And it too is exhausting. But as Jason and I have found, this work is not as exhausting as as the work that we were doing when we were relying on food. That was more exhausting. That was detrimental. That, that led us to, to an early grave. Uh, but spending our energy and focusing on creating these new relationships with, with food and finding joy in other ways, it, yeah, it's still exhausting, but it's nothing compared to, to how, how we were living our lives before. It's not as exhausting as trying to climb steps at 468 pounds. Amen, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying I'm just throwing it out there <laughs> oh my gosh okay Whew. that was a lot that was yeah. good that was good so so I have to ask so I asked you this, the question at the beginning of the podcast and now I'm going to ask you uh you know ask again so when you think about food now after weight loss surgery how do you feel uh, now it's, it's very simple. It's very quick. It's a, uh, oh, I need to grab something here in a little bit because I'm, I, I don't want to get too hungry, but I'll grab something and move on. Cause at that point it's either a protein bar or some eggs or something that's really quick. And that's it. Yeah. When I ask myself that question, when I think about food now, I feel very empty in the yeah. best possible way, right? It's almost like there's no more emotional connection to food. And that absence of emotion is glorious, glorious, right? Yeah, because when I think time, about- For the first time being asked the other day, where do you want to go eat? And I said, I don't care because it doesn't really matter yeah. that, to me. Because I used to have an opinion every single time. 
because I wanted to go here because it had the best whatever or here because it had the biggest whatever. And I asked me the other night, like we had a group of friends was like, hey, where you guys want to go eat? And I was like, I don't care. No matter to me. And I literally didn't care. Like they could have picked anything and I would have found something small that I would have ate half of and been good. I just didn't care. I, I noticed I noticed that the other day, uh, Grady got home very late. I had a very busy day and he was like, what do you want to do for dinner? And I was like, oh, you know, I don't care. And he's like, well, you know, well, why don't we go out to dinner or let's do takeout? We're trying to support local businesses. And I was like, I don't care. And it dawned on me. I was like, oh, my God, I really don't care. I really don't care. There's no anxiety. There's no stress. I mean, it was like, I, I could feel my, my body. I was, I, from habit, I was tensing up because I was thinking about this anxiety that was coming over food and it didn't arrive. The anxiety wasn't there. And I just thought, oh my God, I've made it. You know what I mean? It's such a cause for celebration. And I just never believed that I could get here. Um, and, and yet here I am. It's, it's the power of bariatric surgery. And it's so hard to put into words. Um, but man, that, that feeling is priceless. Absolutely. It, it, priceless. It's almost as much weight lifted off of you as we've lost since we've had the surgery. Honestly, it felt the yes. same. Yes. Oh, I've never even thought about it that way. My grandma always asked me like, oh, you must, you must feel so different. And she's always referring to, to the physical weight being gone. But I don't feel the physical weight at all. I feel all this emotional weight. I mean, I feel light as a feather and it's just the most bizarre feeling, but you are, Jesus, that is, man, I don't know how you do it, but <laughs> you you bring out shit that, that I'm like, damn it, that's it. That's <laughs> man, good Lord. That's why I am the Smithsonian. It is. It's, it's why, it's why we love these conversations, man. All right, friend. I, I think we did it. I yes, ma'am. I believe so. Well, Jason, and I cannot thank all of you enough uh, for being a, a part of East to West WLS of just being a part of this bariatric uh, community. We, we feel, we feel so great knowing that we're not alone and we feel even better knowing that we can help you know that 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 you are not alone we we know this is not easy we know that weight loss surgery is not the easy way out uh, we know that by choosing bariatric surgery we are we're committing to taking really the most difficult path to to living our our healthiest lives but we are so thankful that that you are on this journey with us there are lots of ways to, to support us and to continue to support the East to West WLS Nation so that we can grow and offer, uh, just continue to, to offer more supports. So you can subscribe to this podcast. You can leave us a rating and a written review in your podcast app. That would, we would be so thankful if, if you were so moved to do that. You can su subscribe to our YouTube channel. You can like the, our videos. You can share the videos. You can share the podcasts, right? If you love what you are listening or what you are hearing, share it with other people in your own world, um, right? What we talk about is specific to bariatric uh, people, but it's just specific to, to anybody that's, that's looking to make changes in life. So we, we appreciate you sharing our message. We are super proud of our website. Uh, we absolutely love it. You can subscribe there. You can visit us there. Uh, we're, we're, we're collaborating with people in this community and we're just gonna be pumping out all kinds of useful, meaningful, valuable information there on our website. So just go to www.east2westwls.com. 
Su super easy and all kinds of, of information there. You can follow us on Instagram. We are at East, the number two West underscore WLS. You can follow Jason and I, we each have our own personal page. You can find me at actively underscore April. Where can they follow you, Jason? I am T-H-A, so the underscore Smithsonian. And let me tell you, I asked Jason the other day, I was like, why, why are you called the Smithsonian? And clearly, and he's like, well, you know, I just, I tend to come up with some like great, you know, bits of information. Yeah, like knowledgeable beyond, uh, beyond compare. So it makes a lot of sense. So give us a follow, give us a like. Uh, we love to interact with people from this community. If you have questions, please reach out to us directly. If you have ideas or topics that you want to see explored on, on the podcast or on the videos, let us know. Uh, we, we are here to, to support the bariatric community and we want to make sure that we are offering content that is meaningful and valuable to you. So know, know that we are excited to, to get your feedback. Yes, definitely. All right. As always, Jason, it was a pleasure talking with you. Uh, I, I think we did it. I'm, I'm excited to, to share this information out to the world. I believe so too. I think we did. Uh, there was there was a lot of good information in this uh, in this particular podcast. So I'm hoping everybody gets a little something from it. And most importantly, as we always like to say, don't forget, you've got this, and we've got you, and we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.